another episode of the Touch Points podcast put on by East Point Bible Church. In this episode, we will be continuing in our series of episodes drawing from the book Cultivation of Christian Character by J. Oswald Sanders. This is the third part in our 15-part series focusing on an element of the Christian's character according to Scripture and what we should be growing and cultivating in obedience to God's Word in our personal character. Thus far in this series, we have looked at the definition of spiritual maturity as being found in the example and person of Christ that we are to pursue and grow in, and we also examined the area of servanthood according to the life of Christ that we are to emulate. Now, our subject focus in today's episode is the biblical concept of the consecrated life. The word consecrated doesn't come up frequently in our typical conversations or interactions, and so the freshness, the relevancy of the meaning is often lost when the word is used or ideas communicated in Scripture. The base meaning of consecrated is to be made or declared sacred. Sanders takes the definition a step further in defining it as separation from common use and solemn dedication to sacred use. Taking a look at the Old Testament, the concept of being consecrated is prevalent, even though the word itself is relatively infrequent. The temple, the Levites, the instruments of the sacrifices, the furniture of the temple, the altars, etc., all that you read in the Mosaic Law, were all dedicated to God and consecrated to Him for His purposes according to His standards. These are visual examples of what it means to be consecrated, things set apart for God's purposes, for God's will according to His standards. One can also see this concept of consecrated in God intervening in history to select from His people those who would be consecrated, set apart, dedicated to serve Him. Individuals such as Moses, Elisha, Jeremiah, which we see in Scripture, God specifically chose out, separated from everyone else, to serve a special, specific, set-apart role for him. These people were all set aside to serve God in a sacred manner for his purposes. And so looking at the Old Testament, we can visualize, we can see what this idea of consecrated means. Now, how does this idea of consecrated apply to our Christian lives? We have already discussed that the goal of the Christian life is sanctification, to become more like Christ. The purpose of believers' salvation is that we would grow and mature into the stature of Christ, being conformed to his image, being made in his likeness. And so in light of our salvation, believers should live the consecrated life because each one of us has been made positionally consecrated unto God. Those saved through the efficacious work and righteous merit of Christ have been made holy unto God, consecrated as his people, set apart, dedicated to him as his people. 1 Peter 2.9 says that, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Therefore, to be saved is to be consecrated unto God. And expected from the act of consecration and salvation is the overflow of consecrating one's life to God, an idea clearly visible in Paul's famous transitionary passage in Romans 12.1, 
which says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, all before this passage in Romans, Paul explains and elaborates the glorious truths and doctrines of our salvation established on Christ's righteousness and offered through God's love in 11 chapters. He highlights the wonders and the, mag- the majestic nature of God's salvation provided for us despite our sinfulness and unrighteousness. And he comes to this transition in Romans 12 after just praising God for his insearchable wisdoms and unfathomable ways in which he has accomplished salvation for his people. And this text highlights that the only fitting and appropriate response to salvation is the consecrated life. Now, this consecrated life has three main elements that Sanders wants us to focus on that we all draw from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. The first main point is that the consecrated life is a life dedicated to the will of God. Paul writes at the end of our passage in verse 2 that we are to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The surrendering of our will to Christ in salvation is the simultaneous assuming of God's will as the superior and ultimate aim of our lives. This ties directly in with lordship salvation. That as we are surrendering our lives to Christ, we are simultaneously recognizing that his will is to be the superior aim and objective of our lives. So we have been saved according to the will of God so that we might show forth the excellency of his will. If our eyes have really been opened by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, the regeneration that comes through the gospel, then we should desire and seek God's will above all else because its superiority and value will be clearly seen. Our will should be in alignment with the will of God who saved us. Peter emphasizes this point quite simply in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, where he writes, Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. God is holy in everything, so his will is that we should be holy like him. And so we should desire and live to fulfill his will by being a holy people in all of our behavior. The second main element of the consecrated life is that the consecrated life is dedicated to the glory of God. Perhaps no other phrase better summarizes and embodies the nature of the Christian life, like do all to the glory of God. If a person is wholly dedicated to God and separated unto him, then no other desire should rival the believer's consuming passion for God to be glorified. Now, what does it mean to be dedicated to the glory of God? Sanders give us a very clear answer. The believer consecrated to God 
tests all his actions by the one standard. Is this for the glory of God? He will do anything, suffer anything, if only God is glorified. Does that mentality describe our lives? Do we lose ourselves in the pursuit of God to be rightly magnified and exalted for who he is? In every possible opportunity, whether through us alone or along with others. The consecrated life makes much of God's glory in life because God's glory is a thing the consecrated life seeks and loves the most. Peter again makes this point clear in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Being consecrated by God should move us to consecrate our own life unto him in every area so that we effectively proclaim his glory through everything that we say and do. The third element of the consecrated life is that the consecrated life is concentrated, focused on service to God. In our core passage that we've been referencing in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, in verse 1, Paul beseeches the Roman believers to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. The idea here is that in light of the spiritual blessings God has richly poured out over the believer through Christ, the only natural and fitting response is spiritual service to God, which is an ongoing holy lifestyle which satisfies his standards as an expression of worship. The key phrase we are going to focus on is service of worship. Now, in the Greek, this phrase is a single word, which refers to the act of giving worship or serving God in worship according to his law. Paul urges the Christian to give themselves as holy and living expressions of worshipful service to God through the way that we live. This idea of viewing ourselves in light of the service of God is an unnatural perspective which is why it is only possible, only feasible for those who have experienced salvation through Christ to have and to possess this mentality of living before God in spiritual service. The consecrated life has a concentrated focus of serving God daily with the whole of life, not partially or inconsistently, but wholly. Now, if we examined our lives, would we say that we are offering up our lives in a spiritual service of worship to God? Or would we see that we are failing massively in so many aspects of our lives? We are to be a spiritual service of worship in every single area of our lives, leaving no part out, no, leaving no area vacant, of this purpose, and of this priority. To walk worthy of our calling is to live in holy service to God 
with a fully concentrated effort. And so to conclude this discussion on the consecrated life, I would like to end with a quote from Sanders on the subject. He writes, The basic secret of Christ's winsome and holy life of service to God and man was his complete consecration to the will of his Father. I delight to do thy will, O my God, Psalms 40 verse 8 says. And this was Christ's lifelong attitude. In measure, as we are similarly consecrated to God, our lives will be winsome and holy. Christ has set the example for us to follow. He was fully concentrated, fully dedicated, fully committed, and fully focused on representing the will of the Father and doing the will of the Father in every aspect here on earth. He was consecrated unto God in everything in his ministry here on earth. And it is his example that we should aspire and labor to follow where everything in our lives is set apart, given over, dedicated to God for him to use. And we should delight in that. I hope you've been challenged on the perspective of your life as a follower of Christ and that the truth we have heard together will give us the dedication and concentration we need to live the consecrated life that God has called us to together. Grace and peace to you. 